Ah, hey, Islanders, you're listening to Breakfast on the Bridge, the featured morning show of KMIH 88.9 The Bridge, bringing you a smoldering serving of local sports, news, and talk on the island. Grab a plate, grab your cutlery, and enjoy the show. Exactly that. You guys are listening to 88.9 The Bridge. My name is Marco Marchetta. I'm Molly Rojas. And today is the very first day of our new show called Breakfast on the Bridge. As well as that, it is also our anniversary for the KMIH radio station, or at least it was three days ago. Yesterday. Yesterday. And it was also, uh, it just started Black History Month as well. So we got a lot of things to talk about. (laughs) But um, yeah, but mainly I'm just excited to be live and direct this early from the studio. You might recognize us from both of our shows, obviously. Uh, yeah, just whatever show. <laughs> yeah, I have I have my book show. Yeah, and I have my movie show, so it works hand in hand. Yeah, we're kind of we're like pop pop trivia, tr- pop trivia people. So. Yeah, you guys are gonna hear from us throughout this hour, so just sit back, relax, enjoy your your ride to your work. You guys got a few insane talents coming up, as well as music and everything. Molly, can you uh, show me what you got on your phone, really? There for just a super quickly. Uh, um, just like. Yeah, so we have a bunch of trivia that we're going to be doing throughout this. We have some speaking points. We're going to be talking about the Wordle. Do you know what the Wordle is? Uh, I haven't done the Wordle for today yet, but I think you guys are going to have to find out right after this Fashion Week report by Karis Chobano. Good morning. This is Karis, and I'm here to relieve the stress of how to dress. Today is about the only day this week where it isn't supposed to rain. So don't throw on a baggy raincoat, but instead dress for chilly winds. Throw on a neutral colored puffer jacket with a colorful sweater underneath. For bottoms, I'd suggest either at the big trending bottoms, which is leather pants, or a simple pair of jeans. If you're wearing blue jeans, then pair it with a yellow, pink, or red top. If you're wearing black jeans, then pair it with a Kelly or Emerald green or even bright purple sweater. For shoes, go ahead and slip into a pair of booties. And lastly, if you're planning on being outside, then throw on a beanie with a puffball or a chunky scarf. And that's how to dress to impress. Keep listening to Breakfast on the Bridge. You know, I have many things, but I don't think that I have a chunky scarf anywhere in my house. I don't think I have a chunky (laughs) scarf anywhere ever, but whatever Kara says, it goes. So I'm going to need a chunky scarf ASAP. Yeah, um... So about that Wordle, can you describe to me what that is about? So the Wordle is this, like, new hit game that everybody's talking about. Basically, you have, like, five chances to guess a word, and you get, like, no hints except for letters will light up if you have them correctly. So basically, you just have to guess words and see if they work. Wow, that sounds interesting and something fun to do during class. You guys got a (laughs) song coming up by the Beatles with a little help from my friends. That was with a little help from my friends. You're listening to KMIH889, The Bridge. We're still running the show. We're still doing this um, Breakfast on the Bridge currently right now. And uh, talk to me where we left off. So about this Wordle game. Oh, this Wordle game. What to say about it? It is taking over everywhere. Everyone I know is playing it, except for my mom. I, I showed it to my mom yesterday. And I've, put, I've tried playing it, and I'm just going to say that I'm not so good at it. Normally, I get really angry, 
and then <laughs> quit and then literally just look up the answer and then put it in. Yeah. But my mom, I was like, okay, you just do this. And then she, she did it in two tries the first time. Uh, it's it, There's something like we must be missing. But yeah. if you guys want to hear about something that you're not missing out on or probably still here for, here's the After We Can Update with our good friends, Quinn. Good morning, KMIH. Welcome back to After We Can Update, now live on 88.9 The Bridge. I'm Matthew Pingallo. And I'm Quinn Hava. Melania Trump suffered huge financial blows after deciding to auction off a white hat she owned on her website, only open to cryptocurrency bids, along with an NFT of, of watercolor painting of Donald Trump wearing the exact same hat. The recent crypto crashes unfortunately came at a tragic time for the Trumps and other investors as there has been a net loss of over a trillion dollars which has forced them all to get real jobs. <laughs> In other bizarre headlines, Nicolas Cage has decided to quit karaoke after a leaked video revealed his breathtaking performance of Purple Rain, which sounds like Prince inhaled an entire forest fire and then tried to do a moose mating call. <laughs> Nick Cage really is America's national treasure. <laughs> Harley Davidson made a motorcycle semi truck with nine wheels that weighs over 4,000 pounds. The vehicle was made to meet demand for a motorcycle that could successfully carry the weight of an average Harley Davidson customer. <laughs> Last Saturday, Everett Police offered VIN number engravings to people's catalytic converters in order to prevent theft and resale. Reports say the event was a huge hit with a three hour line of cars. But a lineup of cars that big is basically Ocean's Eleven for catalytic converter thieves. <laughs> Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer has announced his resignation from the U.S. Supreme Court last week, and President Biden is committed to appointing a black woman in his place. Unfortunately, the only black woman Biden knows is Medea. Speaking of the president, last Friday a bridge collapse in Pittsburgh which injured 10 people came just hours before President Biden was scheduled to speak in Pittsburgh about how we need to rebuild our infrastructure. In his speech, Biden said the bridge had been rated in poor condition for the last 10 years. Unfortunately, he got the bridge's approval rating confused with his own. A 19-year-old boy who runs a Twitter account called Elon Musk's Jet, which tracks the location of Elon Musk's private jet, was offered $5,000 by Musk, saying that accounts like this are becoming a huge security risk. The kid then counteroffered Musk for $50,000 and a brand new Tesla. So now is when I revealed the account that I run, Elon Musk's son, <laughs> which tracks the location of Elon Musk's kid that he named after a Star Wars droid. Elon, I'll take my 50000 in cash, please. Former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence revealed that he and former President Donald Trump haven't spoken since last summer, saying that he and Trump, quote, parted amicably. <laughs> he then went on to talk about how Trump never cared about how I was feeling, and he was always texting other senators. <laughs> the newest resident of the White House is a two-year-old tabby cat named Willow. The cat captured the hearts of the crowd after it jumped on stage while Jill Biden was giving a press conference. This makes for two animals in the White House who do absolutely nothing to get loved by the media. <laughs> Biden's other pet, a German Shepherd named Major, has reportedly been behaving aggressively, including two biting incidents in the White House. <laughs> Unfortunately, Major is not available for comment as he was too busy attacking our journalists. 
Several people were hospitalized after high levels of carbon monoxide were detected at a Hampton Inn and Suites swimming pool in Ohio this weekend. Although for Hampton Inn and Suites, this is just a typical Tuesday. <laughs> Turns out the lifeguard thought it was a good idea to leave his Ram 1500 running on the pool deck right after his catalytic converter was stolen. After the incident, Hampton's president sent his condolences by offering complimentary orange slices. That's all for After Weekend Update. I'm Matthew Pingala. And I'm Clint Haba. Have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you next week. So it wasn't just Quinn. It was also Matthew Pingalo. <laughs> Sorry about that, Matthew. You did a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, what a great after the weekend. It was, so, was such good production. It's almost that they were cheering right for us to start. Yeah. It was a good intro for us. Very, very fantastic intro. So what were we, what were we talking about? Well, we last left off on the Wordle, but, but I'd like to talk about my new favorite movie, Encanto. Have you seen it? I have. Actually, I'm going to talk with you guys about it just right after... I think you could consider a very pretty song, and that will be Sophia by Claro. You guys are listening to 889 The Bridge. Yes, that was Sophia by Claro. Again, one of my, uh, unironically, actually, a, a good a, a song that I like I'm a lot. Surprised. I'm surprised that's, that's one of your favorite songs. I thought you would be like a heavy rock. like Heavy rock? I don't know. What do you think me for? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Heavy rock is fun. But, um... Yeah, so about Encanto, I did watch that movie maybe like a little bit ago, and I I enjoyed it a lot because it was a lot is different from what? every Disney movie mm-hmm. uh, like prior to it. Like there was no big bad. It was just like people yeah. learning to be like together and stuff. Except and who they are. Except who yeah. they are, and you, it's hard to find movies these days that are refreshing, especially a Disney movie. I especially feel like. a Disney movie. Sometimes I feel like Disney movies doesn't gotten a little bit like less that I want to watch them, but I really enjoyed this one. Let's see, out of five stars, what do you rate it, Marco? I mean, obviously, you know, I'm like 17 years old. I'm not like three, and I'm going to think it's my favorite thing ever, but I'd give it a like, I think a decent like three and a half, four. Three and a half, okay. I would, yeah. say, I would say four. Would three say and a half to four. I really love the soundtrack, though. The soundtrack, they killed it. And speaking of the soundtrack, we don't talk about Bruno, is the number two spot on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, it's crazy, but... We'll have to save that for later because next up we have Sid Shroff, who got a chance to sit down and talk to Mercer on Youth and Family Service Foundation board member, Laura Oberto. I talked to Laura Oberto, a member of the foundation board of MIYFS. She handles a lot of the financial aspects of MIYFS and talked to me about the upcoming breakfast fundraiser and how COVID has affected MIYFS as a whole. What are some of the ways that you get sort of donations from all the people. So the biggest one is the breakfast. Right. So the breakfast is coming up uh, next week, February 9th, Wednesday at 7.30 a.m. It's going to be virtual again. That is our biggest fundraiser of the year. We have an enormous length of sponsors and uh, attendees, that, families that donate on the island. Laura also talked to me a little bit about what MIYFS does and what it tries to do to help serve the community. So YFS is the human services provider for the community. So right. they have... Mental health counselors. Um, there's one, at least one, in every school. So I believe here it's Chris Harnish. Yep. Um, and they have some community-based mental health counselors. So they're the same thing to serve services families, couples going through divorce, 
um, as senior citizens, there's senior services. They also have an emergency assistance program. So people going through any kind of financial distress, um, whether it's a lost job, an illness in the family. So uh, the help with rent and utility assistance help people navigate the eviction moratorium. And then the last thing is the uh, Healthy Youth Initiative. Right. So that's a prevention-based. I think a lot of students here at the high school are really involved in the Healthy Youth Initiative and really just helping to talk about distress in uh, youth. And finally, we touched on the main message of MIYFS and the real message behind their breakfast. One is actually the importance of connection. I mean, it's right. just we lost connect, so much connection with the pandemic, and I think that's that's what we're all struggling from, right? I mean, high school right. – I don't have to tell you. I think personally, <laughs> I think high school students have the – are bearing the highest burden yeah. of the loss of connection um, in the last two years. But then the other thing is on the flip side of that, of the impact of all that is I think we need to give ourselves a little bit more grace. Right. Um, so that's the other message I think – at least that I'm hearing from the, our mental health professionals is give ourselves permission to be good enough. And not strive to be perfect right now. Like we just need to have a, a different bar. Redefines what success is for us so that everything isn't the best, the perfect. And, you know, take care of ourselves along the way. Big thanks to Laura Alberto for joining us. And if you want to get more information on the virtual breakfast for MIYFS, go to breakfast.miyfs.org. This is Sid Schroff here at 88.9 The Bridge. Thank you, Sid Schroff. Sorry I <laughs> misspoke your name, but that was great. Uh, yeah, uh, please visit that website whenever you guys get a chance to learn more about this um, uh, topic that they're talking about. But uh, anyways, we're talking about Encanto currently yep. and the song We Don't Talk About Bruno. Yes, like we said, it's the number two spot on Billboard Hot 100, which is that's, – that's incredible for like a Disney – movie soundtrack and it surpassed let it go that's just i have trouble like like actually accepting and believing that because i remember in third grade that song would play all the time on repeat (laughs) never stop all the time 24 hours of let it go yeah and and that was like around the around the time that my sister was like one or two years old and it was like I like couldn't like I heard that song in my house all the time and I just could like barely stand it at some occasions. Exactly. And it's so surprising that something past that especially especially a movie that I feel like not that many people I mean that like not that many people would have expected it yeah, to. You know? Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think I had to say that TikTok was a big factor in this mm-hmm. because if if you're on TikTok, you know that, that we song don't talk is... about Bruno is very popular on TikTok right now. Yeah. But anyways, we have the That's Debatable show. Here you guys go. This is Creed Finnerfrock from That's Debatable, a show where my co-host Miles and I break down a political issue every Thursday at 7 a.m. Here's a sneak peek of this week's show about age restrictions for voting. So when people talk about age restrictions for voting, they're usually talking about either lowering it to 16 or something and or raising it to 21. So first I'll start with lowering it to 16. So some of the ideas about that is that cold cognition is the ability to reason logically when not under pressure. And that ability has been proven to plateau at age 16. And so what people are saying is that why should 16-year-olds not be able to vote if they have just as much logical reasoning ability 
as someone that's 18 or 21. Yeah, I think one of the things that could go against that is they may have the logical reasoning ability, but that doesn't mean they'll use it as much. I think people who are older have more real life experience. They have the the choices they make when they vote affects them so much more because when you're 16 and 17, you're probably living inside your parents' home. You don't have to pay taxes. You don't have to buy your own food. You don't have to pay for electricity or whatever. But once you hit 18 or older and maybe you're living on your own, all of a sudden that becomes more real to you and what happens in the real world gets applied more. So then you actually have to use that logical ability. Um, So, you know, they may have the same amount of ability, but that doesn't mean that they have the experience or will use it as much. Let's think about like local elections. If you're 16 and you'd be able to vote in local elections, you could most likely just get a group together and pretty much swing the election. And to, to some degree, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like if you could convince your entire school uh, to go to some sort of election or, you know, the 16 plus kids in your school, that's probably what, two thirds of a school almost that's a large mm-hmm. amount, um, you know, well, if you just think about the number, like for our schools, um, for it Mercer could be Island, like three fifths of the yeah, school almost for Mercer Island or it's high school is high school. Uh, I don't know about Mercer Island, but we have 2,600 students. If you. If yeah, we have 1,600. Yeah, we're, we're like 1,000 less. <laughs> but yeah, no, I but see yeah, where you're you going swing, with that. you know, even 60% of either of our schools, that's it's a lot of votes, right? So Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of votes. So I think that's another reason that should that age should probably stay at 18. I think 18 is a good age just because that's when you're regarded as an adult. That's when you really get into the real world. And, you know, you're, you've got that mental capacity to do it too. Yeah, and some people have even proposed raising the age to something like 21 or even higher sometimes. And that's just because by the time you're 21, you have a lot more experience. Mm -hmm. Most people at 18 have barely even stepped into their career. And people at 21 are more likely to be knowledgeable about the government and also just the real world and how issues affect them. I mean, in that case, you could just raise it up to like 25 and still have the same (laughs) argument, right? Yeah, yeah. I I actually did see someone. There there are countries with 25. As a voting age, yeah. I believe. Yeah. I think that you have like the reverse issue there, right? Because when you raise the voting age by too much, then suddenly politicians don't have to cater to younger, more pressing issues. Um, for example, climate change. For yeah. us, we could always just say, we'll do it later. But, but in general, I think the voting age is probably at a good place. Um, if you can be considered an adult and you can be punished or... Uh, reprimanded within the full extent of the legal system when you turn 18, then you should be able to have a say in how that system works, right? So, Aren't there some crimes that you're charged as an adult for before you turn 18, though? I'm not sure. I'd have to look into it more, honestly. I think it th- there might be one or two crimes that do go into that category. Um, now, what you were saying about 18 being a good age, most of the world agrees with you on that. Uh, many countries have 18 as their age. I think it's uh, about 90% of countries or more have 18 mm. as their voting age. Now, some have 16 or some have as low as 13 um, for their voting age. Now, the the countries with 16, mostly for the 16 and 17-year-olds, they can only vote within local elections. But then for state statewide or uh, country elections, they have to vote. Uh, well, they can't vote until they're 18. And then some countries also have uh, ages where you have to vote. You legally have to vote between like 18 and 70. That t- tends to be the consistent range for those countries. So mm-hmm. like Brazil, 
is one of those countries where you have to vote between 18 and 70 for every single election that you're involved with. Thank you for listening to the sneak peek of our show. Make sure to catch the rest of the episode this Thursday at 7 a.m. Thank you, Creed. I love your show. That's debatable. You know what I love more? McLean. And he's about to go live right now, McLean. Yeah, we got a sports update. The Mercer Island basketball teams played both yesterday. The girls were able to beat Interlake. The boys lost and both are on to Bellevue. Now in national news, it's just broken this morning that legendary quarterback Tom Brady, who made headlines last weekend after speculations that he was about to announce his retirement got released, has actually packed it in. Uh, a lot of people, by the way, this is crazy, think that he's leaving good seasons on the table with a contending team. Uh, he thanked the Bucks and Bruce Arians, his head coach, in his social media retirement announcements, but not Bill Belichick or the Patriots, the team that he spent the first 20 of his 22 years with. Brady's got seven rings and five Super Bowl MVPs. Both are the most in NFL history. And uh, now the Bucks are left to Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask at quarterback. Now we're going to take it over to Scott for some national news, as well as Will's What's Cracking updates and my updates on the MLB lockout. When we I'm play Scott Garrick, and you're listening to Scott Sports Corner. First, over the weekend, the Los Angeles Rams beat the San Francisco 49ers to win the NFC Championship, and the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs to win the AFC Championship. Now, the Bengals, who just one year ago faced adversity and went 4-11-1, have been led by their second-year standout quarterback, Joe Burrow to the Super Bowl. On the flip side, the Rams have put all their poker chips forward this year by trading multiple first-round draft picks and more for longtime Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford and previous All-Pro defender and Super Bowl champion Broncos Von Miller. The greatest show on turf has returned, and the highly anticipated Rams vs. Bengals Super Bowl matchup will be played on Sunday, February 13th at 3.30 p.m. at SoFi Stadium. Now, for a local story... I'd like to pass it to Will Pellerin for What's Cracking, Will. What's Cracking? The Seattle Kraken took a 2-1 overtime win over the Pittsburgh Penguins with a clutch goal from former Penguin Jaron McCann. Over in the AHL, the Seattle Kraken affiliate released their jerseys, uh, the Coachella Valley Firebirds. They're really cool, by the way. You can go take a look at those for yourselves on the Kraken website or the Instagram page. And finally, looking ahead, our previously postponed matchup against the New York Islanders will be played tomorrow in New York. Uh, it was postponed not for COVID, but actually for weather concerns in New York. Um, but we will look to face off against another bottom-of-the-barrel team when we play them. Thanks, Will, for the great story. Hopefully the Kraken can come out with a win. Next, in honor of Black History Month, we would like to recognize some black athletes that have changed the sporting world. Michael Jordan, who is viewed as one of the best basketball players of all time, if not the best, was one of the first players in any sport to have his own shoe brand named after him and one of the first athletes of any kind to be a multimillionaire. His personality and success opened the door for many black athletes. Serena Williams has shown herself to be an excellent tennis player with the most Grand Slam titles in the tennis era. She is 23. Serena has been instrumental in pushing for higher pay for women in tennis and continues to fight for the rights of others. Next, Jesse Owens. And what he did in the 1936 Olympic Games proved that a black man could not only compete with a white man, but can be even an Olympic gold-winning level athlete. 
Even more important, Owens did it all in Berlin, Germany, in the midst of time of racial and ethnic injustice. In the MLB, Jackie Robinson was the first African American in the entire league and played the sport at an exceptionally high level, while continuously enduring racist remarks by fans, players, and team managers. Robinson won the 1947 Rookie of the Year and 1949 National League MVP awards. Robinson broke the sports color barrier with the Brooklyn Dodgers so others could persevere, making him a pioneer of the American Civil Rights Movement. Lastly, Tiger Woods. Woods is one of the best golfers ever seen to mankind and is second only to Jack Nicklaus in major wins on the PGA Tour and is one of the first black billionaires. These are just a few of the black athletes that have changed the sports world with their success and continued called for change. Now, McLean, give me an update from your neck of the woods. McLean, what's poppin'? It's the Hot Stove Update on Breakfast on the Bridge, bringing you all you need from the world of baseball. Baseball writers at CBS, Fox, SB Nation, and The Athletic have reported that the start of spring training will most certainly be pushed back due to the ongoing lockout and negotiations stalemate. Bad news for any Mariners fans who find themselves in Arizona soon. This will now make three seasons since the last time spring training started on time with fans in attendance. According to SB Nation, the owners are planning to meet with the Players Association later today. They haven't met since last Tuesday, now a week ago. The last time they met, the two sides agreed on a universal DH and expanded playoffs for the new league season. The owners scrapped their proposed arbitration system and offered a slight raise to the league's veteran minimum salary. Opening day is planned for March 31st, but that beginning looks less and less secure by the day. This has been your Hot Stove Update on 88.9 The Bridge. Thanks for the update, McLean. Hopefully Manners Baseball can be back in action soon. You've been listening to the Sports Corner Report on 88.9 The Bridge. Now back to you, Marco and Molly. Thank you for that awesome sports, Scott, Will, and McLean. We had the triple three. The big... The big three with the sports. Big three. So, Marco. What's up? Have you been watching the recent TV shows? So much has been coming out lately. Okay. Like don't don't hate me for this. I've like been watching so much anime these last like few days. Just because like I haven't been for the first semester and now I just have so many stuff to catch up on. I'm kinda one of those guys. Uh Attack on Titan. Uh what else is there? There's Naruto, um, Demon Slayer. Watching so, the, so do you watch it on Netflix? Are you uh, on the Netflix? People? I have this Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll is like this uh, streaming service for those type of shows. Oh, really? I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Um, no, no, I've been watching that. And I mean, I guess you're going to say, oh, Euphoria, Boba Fett. And I'm going to be like, yeah, that's cool. But I haven't seen it. So. But, but I've been watching Attack on Titan. <laughs> but yeah, no, it seems that like Netflix has been taking a lot of heat lately. Like everybody's now everybody's watching on like HBO Max and Hulu and everything. Yeah. Peacock TV. Okay, Peacock, Peacock TV, not so much. Like the re- <laughs> only reason you get it is for The Office, and I feel like yeah. like that's where it begins and ends. Because, like, name one thing like other than well, I mean, it's literally just NBC shows that are yeah. On Peacock I, I TV. think I can only name The Office because Peacock Peacock stole Harry Potter, but then Harry Potter got stolen to HBO Max. So like the Harry Potter movies are just like playing a game of ping pong between all the streaming platforms. Yeah. Uh, sorry for the. Inter interruption there, but um, okay, okay. Recently, I I just found out this breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Recently, Audrey had the opportunity to chat with Mario Yacampo, the creative director and founder of Exhibition Hub, which produced a popular exhibit in the city of Seattle. 
To hear the full interview with Mr. Yukampo, listen to Audrey and Ellie's show, Keep It Real, this Saturday at 2 p.m. Take it away, Audrey. If we look at Seattle in particular, uh, our thoughts are that there is a, there are several things happening at the same time. I think it's a market that is very open to art. That's Mario Yucampo, the creative director and founder of Exhibition Hub, the company which produced the popular Seattle exhibit, Van Gogh, The Immersive Experience. This is the first exhibit that Exhibition Hub has created in the city of Seattle. The Van Gogh, the Immersive Experience exhibit is unlike any other typical art museum found across the world. It is one of many exhibits Iacampo's company produced that integrates next-generation technology with art, giving exhibit goers the chance to experience famous artists like Van Gogh in a different perspective. The Seattle location of the exhibit boasts a 44,000 square foot light and sound spectacular and a virtual reality interactive. Yucampo found great success in the city of Seattle due to pandemic fatigue and tourism. The public felt an overwhelming urge to get out of the house and experience something new. From many, many years of touring, I've, I've come across this. When you have cities that are in the extremities of the country, they don't get as much entertainment as the other cities. Because you got to, you know, the winters are tougher to get to the north of the country. So you, you get less people that have entertainment going to the extremities. And so when you have those kind of markets, they often do very well when you bring the right product. This exhibit was also attractive to the Seattle community due to the wide audience the exhibit caters towards. We're targeting family entertainment. You know, the old 7 to 77, if you, they used to call that. But, you know, there's very little entertainment that the whole family can go to. True family entertainment. You know, you go to a musical, you know, it's, it's staggered. You go to a movie, it's really staggered by the audience. You know, the, you know, the parents put up with Paw Patrol because they have to. And, you know, the children put up with an adult, a more adult movie because they have no choice, not because they're both enjoying it. And I think that these kind of exhibitions, there's something in it for everyone that, that the whole family can talk about, you know, and experience together. In the future, Exhibition Hub plans to host different exhibits in Seattle. So I think those, uh, I think all those things together make Seattle and the success that we've had in Seattle, you know, and we're planning to have to turn the venue into a digital arts center long-term. So we will bring, we will bring other forms of entertainment, which we'll be announcing in the next month. Exhibition Hub has created, promoted, and distributed 90 exhibits across the world. To learn more about the Van Gogh, the Immersive Experience exhibit, and others like it, visit ExhibitionHub.com. This is Audrey Sadler, and you're listening to 88.9 The Bridge. Thank you, Audrey Sadler, and thank you much more for this soothing music right now. I think we all need a good taste of it. You guys are listening to Breakfast on the Bridge, currently live and direct from the station within the halls of KMIH. 89 the bridge I, I that made me re- I want to go to the <laughs> exhibit uh, just just that just hearing that soothing music I'm like I want to I want to leave right now and skip school and go go see that Yeah well we got more music coming up we got After the Storm by Kali Uchis featuring Tyler the Creator 
That was After the Storm by Kali Uchis featuring Tyler, the creator. You guys are listening to Breakfast on the Bridge, 89 The Bridge. And now joining us this morning is Sophie with the latest news to start off your day right. Passing it to you, Sophie. Good morning, 88.9 The Bridge. Welcome to Breakfast on the Bridge once again. I'm so excited to get this show started. I'm Sophie Prock, and this is today's news update. This month is Black History Month. To celebrate at Mercer Island High School, the Black Student Union is spreading awareness about the topic. In Principal Kelly's words here at MI, we work to provide an inclusive, supported, and safe environment that honors diversity. BSU and Student Voices for Change have organized this MIHS MLK virtual assembly, as well as other events to come. As you go throughout your day today, make sure to really think about what Black History Month means to you. Speaking of Mercer Island High School, we are also having a bit of a mask dilemma here. Throughout the school day, students are using masks provided by the school. However, we are going through hundreds of masks per day. This is your reminder to bring your own mask. Even better, a reusable mask from home. They can be found at most stores, and there is a wide selection on Amazon.com. N95 masks are also being distributed here in Seattle, masks of which that can be uh, reused, so check those out, Islanders. For more info, visit BartellDrugs.com. For more recent news in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, there is a plant fertilizer fire burning at this hour. Emergency responders have evacuated over 6,000 people. Wake Forest University, which is nearby, has canceled all classes for today. There are also almost 2,500 homes within a mile of the fire. The initial cause of the fire is still being investigated, but officials state that it was because of an ammonium nitrate explosion at a nearby chemical plant. Earlier this month, I had a chance to sit down with Ted Weinberg, a Mercer Island City Council member. So, here's a snippet for you guys. There's a group of about 35 uh, island residents uh, and and, uh, about 80 Amazon employees that are teaming up in the first quarter of 2022 to build a new tiny house village in Seattle. Uh, anyone 18 years or older can join us, uh, and we're going to be building these houses in a factory uh, south of the Mariners Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, lining up all the wooden parts uh, uh, for a new wall and a big template we call a jig, and then popping them all together with uh, nail guns and then tilting the walls up and attaching the roof and all that fun stuff. Um, other volunteer teams uh, do the foundation and the painting of the doors and the mm-hmm. windows and the heater, uh, but the, uh, it all comes together, uh, and the... There's like 35 of these we're going to be building, and the site is going to be in South Lake Union. It's already been – the land has already been procured Mm -hmm. uh, for this new village. And the first 35 – and uh, the first of the 35 townhouses – or tiny houses will be built this weekend on the 8th. Uh, And we should have all 35 of them built by the end of March. Um, The site, which will be complete with a communal kitchen and bathroom and offices for the full-time counselor, nurse, and security guard, should be all ready for residents to move in by May. Uh, The best part about all this is that it's been proven to work. The organization that runs the factory is called Lehigh, or Low Income Housing Institute, Mm -hmm. and uh, it has eight of these tiny house villages already built and operating in Seattle. 
And on average, residents only stay for about 12 months before the on-site counselor finds them permanent housing. So this really works. It gets uh, people through and it just uh, needs us to help out. The costs of the on-site operations, by the way, um, primarily the salaries of the counselor, nurse, and, and the guard, are paid by uh, the county and the city of Seattle. Uh, the building materials are paid for by charitable contributions. A lot of us uh, uh, volunteer amateur carpenters are chipping in for it, but mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, an organizer among us that uh, is really good. There's a, a VP at Amazon that was able to get all of the Amazon uh, employees to join us and that mm-hmm. uh, has a lot of good friends that were able to uh, help contribute there. But this is what compassion looks like. This is what progress looks like. And this is how we come together as a broader community and build solutions that help people climb their way out of homelessness. Mm-hmm. Again, anyone 18 or over uh, who would like to help out, uh, please email me. Uh, I'm ted.weinberg at mercergov.org. Uh, happy to uh, find a date when you can help one of the uh, 12-person construction teams. Wow, that that is really just wonderful. I, I love that. I think... That's you are really taking a step away. Well, that's not the right way to say it. Taking a step to Seattle, the broader community as well, with people from Mercer Island and and really showing, like you said, compassion. That's that's really nice. I I appreciate that. Well, and and it's what is how we solve uh, problems together, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a way to leverage the volunteerism that there's there's definitely a strong vibe of volunteerism here on Mercer Island Mm -hmm. and uh, getting people to find a way to uh, roll up their sleeves and make a difference. Yes, that's so true. And just for our, just to close it out, mm-hmm. your swearing ceremony was this Tuesday. Okay. And how did that go for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was uh, uh, relatively uneventful. I was worried I was going to flood my lines or something <laughs> like that. But uh, it was uh, just a couple minutes of raise your right hands and re- right hand and repeat after me. Um, and, uh, they allowed me to invite, uh, uh, family to come. Usually it's done in person at mm-hmm. uh, city hall. And so everyone's kind of standing around the, the flag, but the, uh, that limits it to the people who are actually within driving distance, but this is all online, right? It's on zoom. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, Hey, let's invite all the family. So Aww. I had family members from like four different States who were all logged in, uh, and many of whom were actually helping out with the, the campaign and, you know, mm-hmm. helping with, uh, uh, writing letters and, and what have you. But, uh, uh, mainly moral support, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great kind of a little mini family reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, the, I, I like how the council is coming together. Uh, I, I've already have like uh, coffee set up with, uh, several of the other council members to mm-hmm. meet, uh, uh, and discuss what our visions are for the city and what our goals are and what we can collaborate on and where we have common ground. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I love that aspect of it that you were able, you know, Zoom might not be the best uh, for for learning and other situations, but that is the nice thing about it, where you can have people from all over the country, like you said, join and and support you. That's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. On this week's edition of Principal Kelly's Corner, I sat down with MIHS Principal Walter Kelly after a turbulent few weeks with finals and the Omicron surge still taking center stage on the island. First, I asked him what the facts look like right now at the school for COVID-19 cases. First, at some point, hopefully uh, I won't be the COVID principal, right? We (laughs) we can actually just move forward. Um, 
the first week we were back, we had 131 student cases that came in. The second week we were back in January, we had 61. We had uh, somewhere in the low 20s the third week. Um, and then this week is at least about 1030 this morning. I think we're at 18 for this wow. week. So, you know, the first part is it looks pretty obvious is people traveled during the time of Omicron and people returned and, uh, you know, were more socially engaged possibly during that break uh, that there was a pretty significant spread. Uh, it also gives me some hope that what we did as a school and what people have done with vaccinations and masking and doing some smart things uh, to be careful that it allowed us to keep school going without this being the place where COVID was spread. Um, so those numbers show that we're doing some right things. It also shows that we're possibly through as a community the worst of this surge. And we're hoping that uh, we have a little relief coming forward. The student body was thrown in a loop with the two shortened days last week to start off second semester on Thursday and Friday. I asked Principal Kelly why the administration decided to institute those early releases. Uh, So what we did was we did not want to move the semester or eliminate finals. And there are several reasons for that. Uh, One, we do have a great reporting period. uh, but But the bigger part is we have students that also were trying to bring up their grades for finals. And teachers need that information to know what really Uh, What's the level of understanding students have? And we did finals also because there's some value in putting that information together and learning to compartmentalize that. We just wanted to make sure we had enough flexibility because of the immediate impact of Omicron. So after we had regular finals week, we basically, as most people know by now, we've just gone through two days of early release from a formal schedule and time for students and teachers to reconnect to try to complete all the work that they had for the semester. Uh, teachers now have till February 4th to finalize those grades. So it does allow for a few students or, or you know, people who, who need to work those things out. Gives a couple more days to do that on a one-on-one basis. And so our goal is uh, for the next few days, uh, you know, the great, great, great majority of our students are able to say goodbye to the first semester, hopefully successfully. With a new semester comes new goals and hopes. Principal Kelly told me what he thinks the school should hope for heading into the spring. Uh, if we're able to get through this surge successfully and keep our, you know, keep doing what's smart and right to be safe, uh, the hope is that in February we really start to open up and do things again. I would love to see uh, more of the extracurricular pieces take hold. I'd love to see us be able to offer full attendance or 75% attendance at least uh, for all the games. I would love to see field trips start again. I would love to see us have uh, a tolo dance. I would love to see all those things happen. And right now, it looks like we may be heading in that direction. So I'm optimistic. In the rest of my conversation with Principal Kelly, we discussed the unified basketball game coming up this week, more plans for the administration for the rest of the year, and even his thoughts on who would win the Super Bowl. You can listen to full episodes of Principal Kelly's Corner on Mondays at 3 p.m. on 889thebridge.org or by searching Principal Kelly's Corner wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you as well, Mr. Kelly. Thank you for those kind words. Uh, today, we have a special uh, guest here on Breakfast on the Bridge. We have a, uh, a talented musician, model, and actress, also a part of our staff. Today, we are joined by Junior Mercer Allen Jr., Sadie Jensen. Sadie recently released an EP of original songs that you can hear on our station and on all streaming platforms. Thank you for joining us today, Sadie. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited. <laughs> I, I just have one quick question for you. What inspired you to start writing these songs? 
I don't know if there's one specific thing that inspired me because I feel like I've always kind of grown up writing and like singing my own songs, I guess. Like I remember when I was younger, I used to write songs or like write mini musicals for me and my friends to perform for our parents. Um, So I don't know if there's one specific thing, but. Well, that's that's very interesting. And uh, sorry, but we're running a little short on time. But thank you mm-hmm. very much for joining with us yes. here today. And listen, listen to all of Sadie's songs on any spring, streaming platform. On Spotify. And you guys are listening to 88.9 The Bridge. This has been Breakfast on the Bridge, your weekly morning show, 7 a.m. Tuesdays right from the station. Thank you guys for listening. And me and Molly are signing off. We hope you enjoyed your helping of Breakfast on the Bridge, brought to you by our KMIH staff and dedicated to the stories, lives, and people of the Mercer Island community. We hope your dinner was as good as your Breakfast on the Bridge, and thank you for listening.